Hi, and welcome to another episode of Freedom to Live. This is Uri Kugel from San Diego, and today is June 30th, 2020. Today I wanted to talk to you about control. One of the things I often see when I work with people, especially those who come to me with all kind of different anxiety situations, is the fear of losing control. And I'm not just talking about losing control in the sense of someone losing their mind or going crazy. I'm speaking about the very creative ways that people use to hold control over their life. And I don't just see it with anxiety, I also see it with a lot of people that suffer from depression, sadness, ultimately each and every person, those who are going through a difficult period of their life or not, struggle with this need to control their world and their life. And before we're going to go into examining the topic of control regarding anxiety and depression and other problems that people have, I just want to consider for a moment how much control do we actually have in our life. And most of the time, we don't really think about this topic. We just go around, go about our life, trying to do our thing and hoping for the best. But, you know, if you think about it, we have actually very little control about events that are happening constantly around us. We have very little control of the weather. We have absolutely no control over what people are doing around us. We control how we respond to that most of the time. But we don't control people in the street, people that are driving around us. We don't control what other people say to us. We don't control exactly what shows up on the TV. We don't always control the flavor of the food that we eat. Even if you bake bread, and I, I bake bread fairly regularly, and I can tell you that even using the same flour, the same yeast, the same sugar, on any given day, things can turn out very differently because the humidity was different, because the temperature of my hand and I was kneading the bread was different, because of my mood that day. We control very little about our body. It has its own design. There are millions of bacteria living on the face of our body, on our skin, inside our guts. There are viruses everywhere. Our immune system almost has a life of its own. And I'm not saying that we can't influence factors that in some way play a very major part in the body, like exercise, nutrition, vitamins, all kind of different tests that we can do. 
but nevertheless, the body kind of still does its own thing. We don't control the financial markets, even if you are self-employed and you worked very, very hard on your life. I have clients that get sued by others. I have those that win and have major success sometimes that is out of their hands. So there are so many domains in our life that we actually have very little control of. Yet in order for us to feel safe in the world, people would try to control their lives and factors in the life, sometimes in a very rigid way. It can look like a strict routine. It could look like people controlling the way they speak to others. It could look like somebody trying to control a situation in a boardroom. It could look like somebody who tells others how to act and what to do and how to speak and how to listen. And this need to control, and I don't know if you can hear, but in the background there are airplanes that are circulating over my house. I live close to a general aviation airfield here in San Diego. And um, I was planning to come and record this episode uh, when there was some space but um, just as I sat down this uh, airplane probably somebody who is trying to get their license private is kind of circulating and practicing landing and taking off so I have very little control of that and if we take that as an example I could for instance pause the recording and start recording it every time that the plane goes away or I could pause the recording and go back into it later on. But this whole topic is about how to let it go in a sense and why we can practice that. What's the benefit of practicing letting go of control? Well, another really important part of control that I haven't mentioned yet is controlling emotions particularly our own emotions. So if you think about it, each and every one of us have um, very specific emotions that are difficult for us to experience. For some people, like myself, sadness is or was an emotion that was very difficult to contain, primarily because in my childhood I experienced sadness a traumatic form of sadness, and it was something I never wanted to repeat again. So it was an emotion that at least unconsciously I felt the need to control. For some other people, it's fear, lack of willingness, and understandably so, to experience fear. For some people, that emotion can be anger. So other people could be disgust. And what happened usually, usually is the topography of emotions, the way I understand it from my experience in working with others, is that we'll usually replace the feared emotion with another emotion. So, for instance, in my case, if the problematic emotion is sadness, it will usually be covered by another emotion such as anger. So, in the past, when I would get sad, 
I would immediately get angry. I wouldn't even have a recollection of the sadness. It would be immediately covered by anger. Now, on top of anger, there is usually a layer of control. The control is there in order to kind of block the anger from coming to the surface. Sometimes for because of societal pressure, because anger can be inappropriate. Or sometimes it's because that the experience of anger is unpleasant, even for me. I don't want to experience anger. So I would employ control. It's controlling my emotions, trying to keep them at bay. And that movement, by the way, is primarily unconscious. A part of it is conscious sometimes for some people who have good self-awareness. But for others, from the majority of people that don't practice meditation... This control in emotion is uh, primarily unconscious. What happens over time is as you are exerting this control over emotions, it acts a little bit like a like a pressure cooker. If you ever cooked with a pressure cooker and you notice what happens when you don't close it well, is sometimes given the right condition, it will begin shaking and sometimes even burst. As human beings, we experience that as anxiety. So this emotions, trying emotional pressure in the body, which is stored sometimes on even a cellular level, on a muscular level. It's a lot of tension. It's energy consuming for the body. And at some point, the body and elements of the psyche kind of need a break. And they will begin to release that anxiety and the tension in the form of shaking, And when the body or the attention is reoriented towards that and there is a lack of understanding, a lot of people will begin to experience anxiety in the form of panic attacks. Could be palpitation, could be shakes, could be sweating, it could be um, short breathing, it could be temperature change, it could be a sensation of terror. And it's a very unpleasant experience. I can tell you that both from personal experience and from, you know, working with many people that have panics. Statistically speaking, you know, the chances of anybody to uh, experience a panic attack in their life is actually fairly high. Especially in cultures where suppression of emotions or the control of emotion is, is fairly significant. And it's something that I see every day. There's a whole spectrum to the way that people exercise this need to control. And in my work with people, I attempt my best to teach others first to realize how much little control they have in their life and then how to work with it. Primarily how to sense emotions, sense emotions in the body. It is a it is a it is an amazing practice. It could be scary sometimes in the beginning as somebody orient their attention into their body, especially if they suffer from panic and anxiety. And then it can be extremely liberating. I do want to clarify that when we work with letting go of control it does not mean that we let go of our lives it does not mean we let go of decisions and 
of our free will. This is a topic for free will and decision is a topic for an entirely different conversation. The form of control that I'm speaking about right now is primarily, you know, in response to stressful situation, anxiety, depression, things that are happening to us, things that are happening in the world around us and are affecting us. It's primarily that control is, is an inner instinct, an unconscious response to pain. So if you think about it, when, when a person experiences an uncomfortable situation, a threat for their survival, physical pain, emotional pain, an anxiety-provoking thought, a depressive-provoking thought, we tend to defend ourselves from that threat. And we often do it in, in the way of trying to control that thought or factor or pain. And what happens to people when I, you know, propose this strategy of letting go and allowing pain to happen, they are, people are scared of um, actually experiencing the pain. What am I going to do with this pain if I can't control it, if I can't diminish it? In terms of physical pain, this is, and chronic pain, this is a very strong sensation. And, you know, primarily in the West, in the United States, where the use of psychotropic drugs and pain medication is really prolific. It's it's very difficult to propose this solution to people because there's always a pill, a pill that somebody can take and decrease their pain. Although it has a lot of disadvantages, like addiction, like uh, a foggy mind, like tolerance, and many others. There's this one story about the uh, Dalai Lama, and even if you're not Buddhist, you can, uh, you know, I think relate to this story because it's it just makes sense. He was um, giving a teaching, a public teaching in the in a city called Bodhgaya. It's a it's a city in the state of Bihar in India. It's a very important pilgrimage site in the world for the Buddhist people because it is the site where the Buddha, the person, the Buddha Shakyamuni, basically attended Buddhahood while sitting under the Bodhi tree. And the Dalai Lama was about to give his teaching and um, to a crowd of about 100,000 people, but a few minutes before coming up on stage, he started to experience very severe um, stomach pain, belly pain. And it turned out that he had gallbladder um, issues, I think he had gallstones, and he had to be basically taken urgently to the hospital. So, you know, it's, think about it, both, you know, you, he was dealing with the physical pain, which was very intense, never had gold, gold, gold uh, gallstones, but um, I heard they're not pleasant. <laughs> and in addition to that, think about the emotional turmoil that is um, happening to somebody like that is about to give teaching to a hundred thousand people that came all the way to that specific place just to see him. So so much you know, so much different type of pain that he had to deal with, and I I heard him tell the story that basically as he was driving the car to the hospital to a city that was about two hours away. He was um, seeing the people on the streets and on the road and 
Bihar is one of uh, the poorest states in India. And he recounted seeing this old man who was lying on the road, who was very sick and looked like he was dying. And the Dalai Lama is um, an expert in the practice of compassion, in the practice of basically seeing the suffering of others and connecting to the suffering of others. And he realized how little control he had over his physical pain because there really wasn't anything he could do about it on the way to the hospital. and But what he could do, he could work with his attention. And in my experience, you know, the only thing that we really do have control over is where do I put my attention on? We have very little control over the content of our thoughts. In my experience, we have little control of our emotion, at least as they rise up. But we do have the capacity to work with our attention. Where do we put our attention on? And for the Dalai Lama, this capacity to focus on the suffering of another human being, this old man who was dying by the side of the road, alleviated a significant part of his physical and emotional pain. And that is a practice that I want to work on today. The practice of loving-kindness meditation. There are different ways to engage in loving-kindness meditation. There are also many other reasons to do this other than a way to um, deal with pain or deal with anxiety. If you have a panic attack, there are a bunch of different things you can do, such as deep breathing and other exercises that you can utilize to decrease the activation and the amygdala hijack. But I urge you also to try and employ this technique of shifting attention from yourself, which usually what happens with anxiety the person who had been having the thoughts, I'm dying, I'm going to die, something terrible is going to happen to me, shift the attention away from me into the suffering of someone else. In addition to that, loving-kindness meditation is a wonderful practice to increase empathy, pro-social behaviors, connection of the heart. There are so many reasons. There are excellent books on the topic. I highly recommend reading Sharon Salzberg. And many other teachers, if you get a chance to read about any of the Dalai Lama book who speaks a lot about compassion and the practice of loving-kindness, I think it is an amazing practice. Whether you're a Buddhist or not, it has nothing to do with religion. It has to do with connecting to others and experience pro-social behavior. There's circuitry, neuro neurological circuitry in the brain, which is dedicated for that. It's usually also associated with increasing positive affect, positive emotions in the brain and in the body. It is a wonderful practice. I ultimately encourage you to become your own master in guiding yourself in this practice. But of course, in the beginning, as you're learning it, you can listen to me. Or you can also go and find on YouTube, there are countless guided versions of loving-kindness meditation. Find the things that really work for you. 
And then slowly over time, I recommend that you learn how to guide yourself. So here we go. We start by grounding ourselves. Taking a deep breath, wherever you are. Try to keep your back a little bit vertical, not too much tension, but also not too little. Air coming into the body. And just feel the air coming in and out. And notice your whole body breathing. Your chest and your tummy rising and falling. Your nostrils flaring up. Your shoulders going up and down and around you the world continues noises temperature all kind of different things happen but your attention keeps a tab on the breathing, on the body. There is an outer world that is always there and an inner world that we're diving into. And in this inner world, There is your heart. Beating. Like seven billion other human hearts around the world. Some of them you love. Many of them you don't know. Some of them you dislike. But like all hearts, young and old, all their owners, all their companions want them to continue beating. Just recognize, note the similarity that we hold with everyone around us. We all want to be alive and well. We all want to be happy. None of us 
wants to experience pain or suffering. Breathing in and out. And I want you to shift your attention to someone that you really love. Someone that you care deeply about and that also cares deeply about you. And I want you to bring that person to your mind and imagine them smile and happy. And I want you to remember that this person wants to be happy as much as you want to be happy. That person experienced joys and pain in their life just like you. That person wants to be healthy and free of pain and suffering just like yourself. And then wish that person well. You can imagine that you're sending them rays of light energy. You can imagine them smiling in a relaxed manner. And you can say in your mind, may you be free of pain. May you be free of suffering. May you be well and healthy. May you be calm and happy. And then you can let that person go. And then you can bring to your mind another person. Somebody neutral. Someone that you know or you've seen but you have no relationship with. It could be a colleague, a clerk at the store, somebody from the neighborhood. And as you bring this person into your mind, you could also realize and remember that that person too wants to be happy just like you. That person experienced sadness and pain in their lives and also many joys. That person too wants to be free of pain and suffering. And you can wish that person well 
you can send them rays of light, warmth, and relaxed energy. You can say in your mind, may you be free of pain and suffering. May you be healthy and calm. May you be happy. And then you can let that person go too. And lastly, bring into mind somebody that you dislike. Don't start with your worst nemesis. But start with someone that you have difficulty with. And as you do that, you can remind yourself that that person too truly just want to be happy. That person has experienced sadness and pain in their life just like you. That person experienced joy in their life just like you. That person wants to be free from pain suffering, that person wants to be happy and healthy and calm, just like you. You can imagine that you're sending rays of light, warmth and relaxing energy to that person. And you can say in your mind, May you be free of pain and suffering. May you be calm and healthy. May you be happy. And then you can let that person go. And breathe. And as you breathe and you feel your body, remind yourself that you have feelings and sensations in your body like everyone else. And even though you are an individual, you are a part of a big tribe, of a family of people. And this group of people can be as large as you like it to be. You can start maybe with just your family, your city, your country. Maybe someday you can even realize and feel 
that you are part of humanity itself, that we all share the same heart, that we all have the same emotions, that ultimately we all want to be happy and free of pain and suffering. That is true compassion. And as the bell rings, feel the ringing in your body and rest in awareness for as long as you like.